0: Welcome to the Grace Point Church podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Hey, we're launching a 106-day journey starting right now. And it's going to be through the book of Psalms. We have 150 chapters to cover in 106 days. How's that going to happen? It's not going to all happen in this room. It's going to happen in your homes. It's going to happen at coffee shops. It's going to happen in your small groups. It's going to happen in your own life as you dive into the Word. And so hang with me on this. We're going to give you lots of information today about how you can engage this summer months, and again, this will take us even into September, uh, of being in the book of Psalms. Soak it up. Let it speak to your heart. Let it uh, identify with it as much as anything. I want to quote from Tipper Longman who said this, as you read, as we read the Psalms, we are entering into the sanctuary. The place where God meets men and women in a special way. This is your invitation to enter into the sanctuary and to meet the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God in a very special and unique way. This is a time where you can make as much of this or as little of this as you wish. But if you have ever desired to meet with God, I know of no more intimate, more personal, more reflective, more chaos at the same time comfort than in the book of Psalms. Psalms is an incredible book. It was written uh, in, in, in over a course of a thousand years. Let me just say it like that. I messed this, these numbers up in the last service. So uh, a th- over a thousand year journey of a compilation of poems written by various and sundries of authors, and some of them we don't even know who the authors are. Compiled, put together into this one book spanning a thousand years. The last poem was written twenty five hundred years ago. But there's something about this book of poems that we kind of speaks to us. It's written in several different genres, seven different genres of hymns and laments and thanksgiving and remembrance and confidence and wisdom. In fact, Psalm chapter 1 is a book of wisdom, uh, a, a poem that we will look at it's written by a number of authors david wrote 73 asaph wrote 12 son of Korah, 11 herman and ethan 2 solomon and moses 3 uh, and then 49 of them were anonymous all of this written put together into one book and it is the most quoted old testament book in the new testament It's the book that Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, if you want to understand my death and burial and resurrection, go back and look at the Psalms. Literally, we are understanding Jesus. We are understanding ourselves. When you read the Psalms and you spend the time doing the work in the book of Psalms, it's going to, again, be like you looking into a mirror. That's not my idea. That's John Calvin in the Institutes. He said it like this. He said, the anatomy of all parts of the soul is the Psalms, for there is not an emotion in which any one can be conscious that is not represented as in a mirror, as if you are looking in the mirror at yourself, as you read through the book of Psalms, you will be seeing yourself. We're going to be in chapter 1 today. It was only one person put it as one of their favorites. We've asked for you to submit your favorites, and that one person was me. So since I'm the preacher, I get to decide, right? Uh, So we did this one because it is actually the preface to the whole book. Many people believe that it was actually put on the front of the book to help give a picture to the rest of the book. So one chapter giving us an overview of 149 other chapters. That's that's the impact of chapter 1. The power of chapter 1, the beauty of chapter 1. James Montgomery Boyce said it like this. It's a magnificent gateway. Jerome, who translated the Latin Vulgate, said it is the preface of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the very first chapter. The title of the message today is God's pathway of happiness. Notice I did not say a pathway to happiness, as if it's some elusive dream out there that you might one day get there. That's what a lot of people treat happiness as. I want to be happy. If I get this, it'll be happy. If I buy that, if I own this, if I make this level of money, if I live in this certain subdivision, I'll be happy. That will get me there. If I have this person as my best friend, if I, if I become this in this world, I'll be happy. As if it's a destination. I want to propose to you, it's not a destination. It's something that God actually wants us to walk in through the hills and the valleys of our life. Through the dark days and the lonely nights and the mountaintops that we might experience in our life. It is something, it's part of the journey of God. That we would walk in happiness. Not same happiness, but not again, not the happiness of our world. The world tries to sell us. In fact, sometimes the word is translated happy. Many times it's translated blessed. But if you look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2, you'll find that God blesses humanity. He's the only part of his creation. Not the sun, the moon, the stars, not the animals on, not even the earth, the clay dirt that we walk on. Did he bless, but he blessed humanity. So in the beginning, he blesses us. In the book of Revelation, you see the blessing of him wiping away our tears, move, removing our stains, preparing a feast before him in the glory of heaven. Listen, there's a blessing in the beginning. There's a blessing in the middle. Me, there's a blessing at the end and we're living in the nasty middle. And as we live in this middle, can we, can we be happy? Can we find that blessed, flourishing life that I believe that God wants us to have? Robert Frost in 1915 wrote a famous poem called The Road Not Taken. The last phrase of that poem, several stanzas, is the two roads diverge into wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Hang on to that. That made all the difference, the one less traveled. Listen, there are two paths in life. There's the happy, blessed life and the one that says, I want to be happy and I want to be blessed. Now, are you living the blessed life or are you living I want to be blessed? I want to be happy in my life. And because whenever you look at it, it lots of roads out there, but which road are you on? Which path are you on? Which journey are you on? Jesus talks about different roads and paths. He talks about in, in in the gospel of Matthew. He talks about two different roads and two different gates and two different fruits and two different houses and two different foundations. All of them pointing to Basically two options of a blessed, flourishing life and a not-so-blessed, not-flourishing life. This is one of those whenever he says in Matthew 7, 13 to 14. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate that is wide and the way that is easy leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Most people will choose the easy path, the path well trodden, the path that everyone takes, the path that everyone tells you you need to be and what you need to be in this world. It's the easy path. It's the popular path. It's the where the crowds go path. For the gate that is narrow and hard that leads to life. Hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Frost said it's the road less traveled. He called it the way that made the difference. Jesus calls it the narrow way. And few there be that find it. We live in a world that, again, we trying to figure out what path is going to get us to happiness, to blessedness, to fulfillment in life. Don't take my word for it. Look at Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. The Christian Standard Version says it like this. How happy is is the man or woman. How happy is the child, happy is the teenager, how happy is the person who, now before you go further, he didn't say that you will be happy, that hopefully one day you will arrive at happiness. It says, happy is the person who does not follow the advice of the wicked, nor the path of sinners, nor joins in the group of the mockers. There's a whole bunch there. When he starts off, the very first words, how he starts the Psalm chapter 1. Now notice this, this is a parallel, is the same way Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount. The parallels between the Sermon on the Mount, the message of Jesus, and the Psalm chapter 1 are incredible. We'll point some of those out. But that being one of them, literally they start with a blessed, flourished life. That's the kind of life that God wants us to have. But he says, beware he starts in the negative. Don't listen to everyone. Be be careful where you're getting your advice. Who's giving you your counsel? Who is your wise sage? Your Yoda? Who is your top advisor? Who is your counsel? Who is your influencer that you're listening to, watching, leaning in on, who is influencing you the most? That's a personal uh, personal uh, uh, examination. This last week I was perusing through the the interwebs and uh, just found a study that was about TikTok and the amount of time that Americans of all ages, it didn't break down age brackets, I'm sure it'd be definitely different from age to age, but the number of average time that Americans spend on TikTok is nearly an hour. It's 558 minutes per day. That's in 2023. They're projecting that in 2024, it will grow to 4.7% 4. 4. in a matter of one year. So the trend in TikTok is that by next year, we could easily be at spending about an hour on TikTok. Who's our influencers? Where's our counsel? What are we listening to? What are our friends telling us? What about the Bible? (laughs) That's an option. That could be a counsel. That could be a vice. That could be wisdom. That could be something you could seek after. I've already said that Psalm chapter one is of the genre of wisdom literature. And so what wisdom could we earn from the scriptures? What about America? How do we do in scriptures? American Bible Society comes out with a study every year. They just came out with a 2023 study. And this is what they have shown. The Bible engagement in America... Notice since 2020, since COVID, America's not turning more to scripture, we're turning further away from scripture. Notice that that, that America is trending downward, not, and and let me just explain what engagement in scripture means according to the American Bible Society. If you read, consult your scriptures three times in one year, you're engaged in your Bible. That's the lowest bar I could ever imagine. If you run across a scripture, if somebody posts a Bible verse, if you just chose to open up your Bible on Christmas Eve or Easter, you got two of them. The point is, is that Bible engagement in America is trending down. TikTok's trending up. Who's your influencer? Who's your counsel? Who are you listening to? If you opened up your phone right now and looked at the number of minutes that you spend on your YouVersion Bible app versus the number of minutes that you spend in your social media, what would it tell about your influencer? I'm not down on social media. I'm not down on listening to friends. If you got good friends giving you good counsel, lean in on that. But listen, there's a lot of good friends that give a lot of bad counsel. Just listener beware. I'm not trying to dog your friends. Your friends are exceptional, I know. But the point is, who are you listening to? Because happy is the person who's careful about the advice that they listen to. In the the, uh, English Standard Version, which I use mainly, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scoffful or the scornful notice the digression first of all you're just listening you're just hearing it you're just tuning in you're just you're just kind of around it it's you're walking in it you're walking around it it's your associated uh, about some of it you can't help okay it's out there then you move to whenever you're now standing and ultimately you end up sitting. it happens so subtly but yet can happen so dangerously. There's a little poem that I heard when I was a teenager, and I jotted it down, and I've quoted it probably a hundred times in messages. So if you've heard this before, please forgive me, or maybe lean in on it, because I think it's that valuable. It's the law of sowing and reaping. If you sow a thought, you reap an action. If you sow an action, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a character. If you sow a character, you reap a destiny. So many of our battles are won and lost in the mind. What are we thinking? What advice are we listening to? I want to propose to you today that the blessed man and woman, the blessed teenager, the happy person that goes through life with a sense of flourishing and fulfillment will be a person that grounds themselves in the counsel of God's Word. Not microdosing, jumping in and out, but diving into the Word of God. Seeing that for all of its fruit, 26 different times in the book of Psalms will he call out the blessed. He's calling us to a blessed life, to a happy life. This word in chapter one, verse one, is actually a plural form of the Hebrew word barak. The plural form is not because we're talking about just multiple blessings, though that could be part of it. But it's also talking about in the Hebrew language, the way you would emphasize something is you would put it in the plural as a form of emphasis, underscoring, making it in bold, highlighting it. Listen, a blessed life, a life full and flourishing and overflowing with a multiplicity of God's blessings happens when a person does the following. Now, again, I want to just say one more thing about happiness because It's that elusive dream that so many of us want. It's kind of like whenever you're growing up, happiness is the inevitable future. When I get out from under the oppressive control of my parents, I will be happy. When I get to college, I will be happy. When I get a new car, I'll be happy. When I find that relationship or have that date with that person, I'll be happy. When I get uh, that scholarship, when I get that diploma, when I get that job, when I move there, I will be happy. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of your life, you get to the end of it and you find you're constantly chasing that happiness that is inevitable. And happiness moves from inevitable to unattainable. The bad marriage, the failed marriage, the lack of influence that you thought you would have, the where you thought you would be in life, the midlife crisis that you go through begins to crash in around you again because you're not where you thought you would be. But what God calls us to, this is happy, this blessed life, comes out of a hunger, comes out of a feasting, comes out of sustainability of our own souls. When you look at this passage, and I want to say this, this is not church answer on a Sunday morning, even though it's church on Sunday morning. Your happiness, your fulfillment, your flourishing will come through the pages of this book. When you make this Book, a part of your life. All 66 chapters, all 1,189 chapters, all 41,173 verses. When you make this a part of the roadmap of your life, you will find yourself on that road of happiness. Where do I get this? Look at verse to whenever he tells us. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and his law does he meditate day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf uh, does not wither and whatever he does prospers. Where does it start? It starts with that appetite. It moves to that feast. It moves to the sustainability that comes from you living in the truth of God's word. Let's talk about the appetite. What are you hungry for? I know it's almost lunchtime. Don't go there yet. Are you hungry for the word of God? I mean literally, are you? Are you hungry for it? Does it is it one of those things that it's a delight or it's a duty? Even as I sit here and talk about reading 160 in uh, 160 uh, 160 days, reading 150 chapters of the book of Psalms, does that excite you? Does, it, does that does it motivate you? Is it like I can't wait? I'm going to get a journal. I'm going to start jotting down different things that God says to me, or is it like I'm not signing up for that? I'll never make it is it a duty or is it a delight? When he says here that it's his delight that he he does not walk in that other council. He does not stand there. He does not sit there, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God, the law, the the precepts, the principles, the Bible, the the different words uh, that are used for for the word of God, the precepts, the principles, the commandments, the prophets, the word, the gospel, the proverbs, the Psalms, the, the holy book. This whole thing is what is the word of God? Do you have an appetite for it? Do you have a hunger for it? Do you delight in it? When you think about it, what's your love relationship with the Word of God? This word delight is also used over in the book of Esther when a king is in love with his bride. He's delighted in her. He delighted in her. And she was summoned by name. Think about that. Think about the nights that you used to lay awake. Maybe you still do. Thinking about that special someone you remember whenever you used to get sweaty palms because you got so excited about being with that someone when you wouldn't want to hang up the phone hopefully that's still there I hope the fire and spark is there that you you're just not complete without that other person in your life that means so much that you love so much you've given so much to. That's the word of God. That same word for delight in Esther is the same word in chapter one of, 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 of Psalms. So I want to ask you a survey. Normally we take these surveys, we get your phone out, and we're not going to do that right now. So uh, we'll do that some other, some other time. But here, if you take a survey, I want you to put in your notes what word best describes your relationship with the Word of God? Is it a passionate delight? Is it a emerging friendship? I like Mike. I'd like to get into this. I don't. I don't have a delight for it right now, but I I really want to. I want this relationship to go somewhere. I'm divorced and separated. I'm one of those that doesn't read the scripture and really has no interest in it, or it's complicated. And fill in the blank on that one. We have taken a number of these little phone surveys on on a Sunday morning, and we've taken this one survey more than any other survey. But it's a simple question, how much time, how many days out of the week do you, as attenders of Grace Point, you can be a member or a tender, you can be old or young, you can be educated on energy, how much time do you, how many days of week do you spend reading the Bible? Now there's a lot of data up here and you can process through that. Some of y'all are already crunching the numbers in your head. But I want you to notice a couple of overarching things that 32% of grace pointers, if you want to call them that, read the Bible five to seven days out of the week. That's great. Now, by the way, on the one day a week, when every time I do this survey, I say, if you're here today and you read a Bible verse on the screen, it counts. All right? So again, that's like bingo chip, Remember right in the middle. But notice this, that the fastest growing, the largest growing one in the past survey, which was done back in February of this year, 18% didn't even read on Sunday morning. I don't know where you're at right now, but you need to be paying attention. Now, while I'm excited that 32% of us at Grace Point are in the Word five to seven days out of the week, 40% of us are only it on Sunday or less. That is not good. Houston, we have a problem we are not going to find ourselves in a sustainable position in this world without being people of this book the next 106 days i do challenge you to jump into the psalms with us starting today all right you can text in psalms to 9700 that will drop you into a process of signing up for the u version reading plan that we're reading i started it just yesterday Here's what I want to challenge you to do for the next 106 days, to read whatever assignment's in there. There's a little devotional in there. There's a place where you can write comments or prayers or anything like that. I read those. I pray through those as well as you put them in there. So you read, 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 record. What did God say to you? I mean, if God of the universe speaks, write it down. All right? I go to the store. I forget three things the Lord gives me to, to pick up at the store. I write them down. I'll remember. Realign. What? is your next step of obedience out of what you just read. What did God say to you today? Lean in on that. But I pray my prayer is over the next 106 days. My prayer is over the next seven days that you will find a delight and your Bible reading will move from duty to delight that you will develop an appetite, a hunger, a longing to where you literally go to bed thinking the scriptures, wake up, re-energized by the scriptures, and throughout the day, you are meditating on the scriptures, which then leads me to the second part of that blessed life is that you're feasting. Meditate and memorize on God's word. Now, if you notice there, he calls us to meditation. Meditation. Meditate day and night. Now, let me just explain. There is Eastern forms of meditation that's very popular today. Eastern meditation says this, empty your mind. Empty your mind and hopefully as you empty your mind, you will find the God within you. Okay? Or I should do it like this. Find the God within you. Empty your mind of everything. What biblical meditation says, empty your mind of all the junk and put in the word of God. And let that become your mind. Let that become your thought. Let that become your worldview. Let that become your decision tree. Let that become your decision filter. Let that become where you're, as you're working through life and life's hard choices, that is the word of God, meditating on it day and night. Begin to see God at work as you meditate on what he is and where he says he is and who he is in scripture. Psalm 77 says it like this, meditate on your mighty deeds, God's mighty deeds. Your way, oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God. I pray that as you read God's word, delight in God's word, let it saturate into you through meditation day and night. Throughout the day, you're reading and meditating on on that phrase, that concept, that principle, that precept that God exposes to you when you've read it. I'm praying that you'll see the bigness of God. And one thing about meditation is God gets bigger and life gets smaller. A lot of us live in a world where our life is bigger than God is small. Get in the Word and experience the power of the Word. Joshua was a person who had to follow in the sandals of Moses. Can you imagine? We have a group that are going to go over to Egypt and do the Promised Land tour next year in April. Want to join us? Jump on board. We're going to be going from Egypt into the conquest into uh, Jericho. And where, Je- where Joshua literally, I mean, Moses gets up to the Promised Land, but doesn't go in. And Joshua gets up to the Promised Land and leads them into the Promised Land. In Joshua chapter 1, the very first words, or some of the very first words were, Moses is dead. Joshua, you're now the leader. Three different times in one chapter, it says, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. But he also says this in Joshua chapter one, verse eight. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And then you will, it will make, you will make your way prosperous. Hang on to that word prosperous. We'll come back to that. And then you will have good success. God is going to lead Joshua as he leads the people into the promised land that they would, as they go into that promised land, find success. How is he going to do that? He's going to find it through the word of God. Listen, meditation should lead to memorization. You ought to be so caught up in the word of God that you're saying it so many times, thinking about that phrase, that that verse, that, that passage that that God has spoken to you earlier that morning or in that evening or in the middle of the day, or whenever you create that time and space, that you that you just can't let go of it. Dallas Willard, who's probably influenced more in spiritual formation in our day than anybody else that I know of, said this about. Scripture memory, Bible memorization is absolutely fundamental to spiritual formation. If I had to, and of course I don't have to, choose between all the disciplines of the spiritual life and take only one, I would choose Bible memorization. I would not be a pastor of a church that did not have a program of Bible memorization in it. That's a conviction to me as a pastor. Because the Bible memorization is a fundamental way of filling our minds with what they need. So let's memorize scripture. Are you ready? Here's our verse for the week. Colossians chapter three, verse 16. Say it with me. Colossians chapter three, verse 16. Say it again, Colossians 3, 16. Now let's say it together. Let the word of Christ dwell in me. Say it again. Let the word of Christ. Now, when I memorize scripture, I like to break it down. Bite size it. So if it's a longer one, I break it down. I focus in on it. I focus on the words. I meditate even on the words. Let, 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 let. That means I've got to open up my time, my space, my cranium, my hard drive, whatever I got. I got to open it up and say, I'm going to let what? I'm going to let the word, not just anything, not sports scores, not not my favorite recipe, not my PRs in the gym. No, no, no. I'm going to let the word, word of who? Whose word? My word, your word, my advisor's word, my counselor's word, my best friend's word. No, no. I'm going to let the word of Christ what am I going to do with that word of Christ? I'm going to let the word of Christ dwell. Okay, I'm going to let it live. I'm going to let it take up residency. I'm going to let it have my 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 television and my computer and my and my words in my bedroom and my in all areas of my life. I'm going to let it dwell, dwell in you, richly. I want I want my. I want the word of Christ to dwell in me so richly that it is the net worth of my life. Would you say it with me? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16. I always got to put that address in there because it'll help me remember it. Colossians 3.16, say it again. Let the word of Christ. Take it off the screen, guys. Let's say it again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Where is it found? You just memorized your first verse. Give yourself a pat on the back. There there we go. Hey, listen. In all seriousness, we can memorize scripture. We can meditate on it, but you won't. You won't want to do it. It'll be a duty and not a delight if you do not love the word of God. And you know what? You can do it. I've heard all the excuses. I'm too old. My memory, this and that. And I I, I get it. I'm there too. But it's a muscle that can be developed. Think about it from a kid's perspective. Now, preschoolers rightfully probably can't memorize the scriptures, right? I mean, they're getting colors and shapes. They're getting their alphabet. Unless your preschooler goes to our preschool, all right? And then they learn the books of the Bible, okay? Kid you not, Mackenzie's fearlessly leading them and the great volunteers that are in this room right now are teaching our preschoolers the books of the Bible. I didn't learn the books of the Bible till I was in seminary master's degree, okay? That's how b- b- bad I was. Listen to our kids quote through Daniel. Good morning, boys and girls. I'm so, so stinking glad that you're here. Raise your hand if you're really excited to be here this morning. Now raise two hands if you're super duper excited to be here. That's what I'm talking about. Say, I know the books of the Bible. I know the books of the Bible. You know, Leviticus. I love hearing that one. Uh, Them saying that. Um, Memorization. If you love it, you'll learn it. Spend time with it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16. Number three, the result, the net net result of this is there's a sustainability that happens. This is when the blessedness. This is when the happiness begins to move in. Listen, plant your life in the Word of God. Let it become so much a part of you. We're playing the long game here, okay? This is not just drop in a church on a Sunday and drop out and come back in two or three more weeks, This is a life, this is not just Sunday, this is Monday and Tuesday and every other day of the week. This is where it begins to shape my life. The long game is that I'm literally gonna let the Word of God begin to craft my words and craft my attitudes and rewrite my thinking. The Word of God is going to begin to form inside of me in an incredible way. I wanna give you three words. You're gonna start seeing these three words a lot as we go into the future. One is the word know, two is the word be, and three is the word do. Whenever you come to the word of God, I want you to know certain things. I want you to be certain ways, and I want you to do certain things. But before we go there, let's see verse three. He is like a tree. She is like a tree. They are like a tree planted by the streams of water, the it yields its fruit in season, its leaf does not wither, and all that it does, it prospers. Again, we come back to the same word that we saw in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Meditation on the word of God leads to prospering in God's, in God's truth, uh, or in the, tr- in, in the truth and lie. So, it's fruitful. There's an endurance factor. The leaf does not wither. It can go through the storms of life. Verses like chaff. The wicked, he goes on to say in verse 4, the wicked are not so. They're not like what we just read about. They're like chaff where the wind drives away. They're, they're, they're so fragile, they're so delicate in their faith, in their walk, they're like chaff. Now, what is chaff? If you're, In agricultural terms here, you basically think about gathering up wheat, gathering up grain from the fields, bringing it into a threshing floor, pounding it out, separating out the stems and the dirt and the trash from the pure grain that you want to eat and put into your body. Everything else goes into a pile. Everything else goes out the back of the barn, onto the floor, onto the ground, thrown into the air, either burnt or blown away. I don't want my life at the end to just be chaff. I want my life to be a tree firmly planted by the river of water. So when the winds blow, and they will, Never does Psalm say the wind's not going to blow in your life. Hurricanes are not going to blow in your life. Tsunamis are not going to come in your life. Never does the scripture anywhere say that. It will. But the difference will be if you've delighted in the word, you've meditated on the word, you will be like a tree firmly planted. And even your leave when it is blown will not be blown away. You will make it through the storm of life. Listen, I want to be an oak. I want to be an oak of righteousness. Isaiah 61, verse 3. Instead of a faint spirit, I don't want that. That's the person with a chaff. They may be called oaks of righteousness. I want to be an oak, firmly planted, handling the storms and the seasons, the droughts that may come our way. I want to be that person. I don't know about you. Have you looked in my mirror lately? But I'm getting older. I literally apologized to Laura yesterday. I looked at myself and said, I'm sorry, honey. I'm not what I used to be. Enough of that was great, but I mean, I'm not what I'm used to be. I look in there and I'm in this morning, I'm like, oh my goodness, you know. There's something that I have done for nearly 40 years now. And it started, I can take you back to the exact date. Now, not everything is like this, but it, in July 8th, 1985, I was in a little bookstore and picked up a spiritual journal. I still have the spiritual journal. And I just began to meet with Jesus. I just began to meet with God, with the Holy Spirit, I began to open up his body. I didn't know what, nobody told me how to do this, how to know, how to be, how to do. I, I didn't know any of that. Um, so I just began to read the scriptures. And again, 40 years ago, I've got journals for years and years and years ever since then. But because when you're in the Word and you're faced with things, God speaks to you. About four or five months ago, I came across this, this passage in Psalms, ironically. Psalm 92, the righteous flourish like the palm tree. Again, we've had oaks. We have trees firmly planted by the rivers of water. Now we have palm trees. Yeah, palm trees experience hurricanes. They flourish like the palm tree, And by the way, the word flourish there, the word blessing are tied together. And you grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They're planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. Listen to this. This is the message to me at fifty-four. And they still bear fruit in old age. And they ever are full of sap and green. I wanna be a tree. I'm 54 and I'm 64 and I'm 74 and I'm 84 that you can cut me open and I am still full of sap and I'm still bearing fruit even in my older age. How does that happen? I don't become chaff, I become a tree firmly planted by the rivers of water. How do I get there? I meditate on the scripture day and night. It becomes the feast of my life. How do I get it towards the feast of my life and not just a drudgery of my life? I get there when I fall in love with God's word, like I fell in love with Lori for the very first time. That level of delight is what we should have in God's word. Do you have that? I don't want to give you a to-do. This is not about to-do. I want you to live happy, flourishing, blessed life. And it doesn't start with you just grunging it, grinding it out for 106 days. It actually starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. And I told you, I think whenever Jesus was preaching his Sermon on the Mount, I have to believe that there's a whole lot of Psalm chapter one in his mind. Because the very first words in the Sermon on the Mount are the very first words in Psalm chapter one. Whenever in Psalm, in, Ma- in Matthew, he said this, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want the kingdom of heaven. I want the fullness of heaven. I want all that. I want the blessedness of all that God wants to give me in my life. How do I get there? I have to reach a point in my life where I am broken and bankrupt spiritually. Every one of us, every one of us must come to a point when we realize I need Jesus. I don't want Jesus. I need Jesus. And I'm giving my life to him for now and for always. Would you bow your heads with me? For those in this room who maybe are there right now, I need Jesus. Yes, I want the Word. Yes, I want to fall in love with His Word. Yes, I want to meditate on it. Yes, I want to get there. I want God to give me a desire to get there. But right now, you need Jesus. You need a relationship with Him. Jesus wants to give you new life. Right where you're at, just say, Jesus, I need you. I want you. I trust you, Jesus. I I trust that your death on the cross, your your burial, your resurrection gives me life, and I'm going to walk in that life, that blessed life. And Then I'm going to pick up your words. And I'm going to listen and I'm going to read and I'm going to meditate. I'm going to find delight in them and I'm going to let it change my life. And I will be an oak of righteousness that even as I am old, I am still bearing fruit. Father God, would you do your work in us right now? Open our hearts, our minds to who we are in you. And if we're not in you, May we have the boldness to say yes to you right here and now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NW.